My Seven Chakras, episode 25. Back in probably 1983 or 4 or so, I went to, uh, that was outdoors, and I found this book that I purchased for 25 cents, and it was by Prentice Mulford. And the basis of the book, oh man, was very healing for me, because I learned that thoughts are things. And I learned that a while ago, but I didn't know the depth of how thoughts are things and thoughts are substance and energy and form and how it all happens. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, listeners? AJ here, and you are listening to My 7 Chakras, a show where you get to listen to insights, advice, and tips on how to improve the quality of your life from those who have dedicated their lives to raising the level of human consciousness. And I'm excited to bring you our featured guest today, Daya Devi Dolan. So Daya, are you ready to inspire? Every second. (laughs) Awesome. So Daya Devi Dolan is the co-founder of the Dolan Healing Sanctuary International with her husband, Chris. She is called the Thought Doctor and is known worldwide for her lectures, books, and healings. So Daya, I've given our listeners a mini introduction. Mm -hmm. So why don't you take about one minute to tell us more about yourself? Oh, sure. One of the things I'm uh, happy and proud about is having a very thoughtful husband. And the second thing is beautiful, holy children. uh, They're adults, but I still call them children. (laughs) One is 21 and one is um, 48. And so um, they've been an inspiration to keep things going for myself, their joy and their happiness. And I'm uh, personally involved in healing people and uh, training them to heal themselves and others on the basis that the healing is is uh, free for them, you know, once they learn what to do and how to position their mind, thought, and attitude and intention, then they can do anything that they desire to do that they thought they couldn't do. That's part of my joy, and the other part of is uh, my yoga practice and teaching and teaching people how to heal themselves that way, too. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that introduction. Mm-hmm. Now, Daya, I'm sure you know the impact that a word or a collection of words can have on a person's life. Words can bond people when they say I do. Mm-hmm. They can inspire someone when they hear the words never give up. Or they can make a person introspect when this person hears the fault, dear Brutus, lies not in our stars, but in ourselves. So in order to lay the foundation of today's wonderful conversation that we're going to have, we will begin the show with an inspirational quote. So Daya, what is your favorite inspirational quote? And give us an example of how you apply this quote to your everyday life. Back in probably um, 1983 or 4 or so, I went to a flea market that was outdoors and I found this book that I purchased for 25 cents. And it was by Prentice Mulford. And the 
basis of the book, oh man, was very healing for me because I learned that thoughts are things. And I learned that a while ago, but I didn't know the depth of how thoughts are things and thoughts are substance and energy and form and how it all happens. So I use that every day. In addition, there are like a statement in A Course in Miracles, which I studied and started facilitating with Chris, my husband Chris, that the Holy Spirit is our only invited guest. And when we forget that, then we are involved in struggling and involved in anxiety and involved in holding on to fear thoughts. But when you remember the Holy Spirit is our only invited guest, then there is no space for other stuff to be creeping through your mind center, your mind door. So those are two of the strongest quotes and thoughts that I hold in my life. And of course, there are others, but those those are very perfect for me to remember that thoughts are energy and form and they create our reality. And they're even though they're invisible, they're things, they're concrete things. And they bring about the substance in our life that we want and that we don't want. If we focus on them, and we don't want them, then we bring them in the things into our reality. If we focus on positive things and positive thought forms, then we bring that into our reality. Thoughts are things, mm-hmm. thoughts are substance, mm-hmm. thoughts are energy and form. Well, thank you for sharing this beautiful quote with us. And I completely agree that everyone around us, everything around us began with a thought. And if that person didn't act on that idea mm-hmm. to make that indoor heater or to design that car or to invent invent that light bulb, we wouldn't be (laughs) enjoying the luxuries that we do today. So my question, do you like trekking or visiting the mountains once in a while? I think I've only done that twice in my life. And that was uh, in along the Appalachian Trail. Wow. And um, I, I did it with my husband, but he's the one that loves that. And he's the one that loves hiking. And going into nature. I love nature, but I don't enjoy the task of <laughs> climbing and getting my knees scratched and scraped. Uh, that part I don't enjoy. <laughs> okay. Since you said that you love nature, let's just say that you are at a health retreat among nature. Mm-hmm. And someone asks you there, what is the main focus at this point in your life? What would you tell them? What is the main focus? I would tell them that sharing how people can affect their own healing for free and be in charge of their own weight, their own thinking, and discovering how powerful they can be. And uh, and you can do this at any time because you can always choose. Nobody is choosing for us to be one way or another. And uh, I, I enjoy giving book lectures and book signings and talking about the power of our imagination, which is thought the same thing. And sharing on TV or radio or online all the things, all the the ways that one can enhance their lives. And uh, I intend to reach tens of thousands of people with the importance of how they can do that, how they can heal themselves. So my latest book, I've written seven, and my latest book is about yoga, meditation, and spirituality, how to grow. And the subtitle is, If You Can Breathe, You Can Do Yoga. So all the other books are about motivating yourself, inspirational information, principles, universal principles on how to use the universal techniques that the law of consciousness has, the law of attraction has for us. So those books are 
pretty much separate from the context of the yoga books, the yoga book anyway that I've written. And um, I just want to reach people, you know, that way. I really love uh, how you have a multi-pronged approach to reaching your audience and the people who could benefit your wisdom and benefit from your knowledge because you shared that you reach out to them through radio mm-hmm. through tv through book signings through demonstrations when you meet them face to face yes and i really feel that this approach would allow you to create obviously that bigger impact that you're looking to uh, make but also without compromising on that one to one connection mm-hmm. which i feel is so powerful when they get to meet you when when they finally get to hear your voice and finally get to learn those yoga poses those yoga asanas from you so thanks a lot for sharing mm-hmm. sure i had a gentleman share how even though he couldn't see me he could feel the energy through my voice and how uh, powerful it was for him so i i know what you mean beautiful so there let's move on to a topic that is very integral to our show which is the chakras mm-hmm. uh, so for those listening chakras are energy centers within the body mm-hmm. that correspond to major nerve ganglia and bodily processes such as breathing digestion and procreation and we have seven main chakras and while they don't exist within the physical body they have a significant effect on our health so daya could you tell us a little bit about the significance of chakras in your practice i offer reiki healing to people and reiki training and so through the reiki attunement i open the chakra centers for people in reiki and also i don't do it for people in yoga but i lead them in the alignment of using energy breathing to uh, open their chakra centers in yoga for example in our yoga classes sometimes i might spend a weekly class a 1 hour weekly class for 7 weeks going through the chakras the root chakra the sacred chakra from below the the navel we do that basically with toning the sound of each chakra how we've been taught from centuries and also how the asanas have an effect on the certain chakra for example if um you want to open the um solar plexus area then there's the position or asana called the locus or uh, the locus and the bow which is being on your stomach and reaching back with your breathing in and out reaching back to grab your right ankle your left ankle and pushing the thighs back out away from you lifting the thighs up into the air with your hands and so that's a very good one for opening the solar plexus and it's also of course the solar plexus is involved with our digestive system and so you in effect have um without even thinking about it working on your liver your gallbladder your stomach your intestines and colon just in doing that one posture the locus and the bowel or actually two so i tie in the postures with uh each chakra center and and like i said the sound like the uh, root sound for um that center is l a m lam so you would breathe in the person would breathe in and exhale through the nose breathe in again and sound lam lam and the students feel the vibration that's going on within them just by chanting that one sound 
for their root chakra. And we know that that's our creative center. And we also know that we can breathe in LAM and exhale LAM. And we can draw that energy all the way up to our third eye. And we can then envision through our third eye that which we desire to be or to see realized in our physical reality. And that's our creative center. So that's how, that's just an example of how I tie in the chakras with expanding and, he- and healing and, and uh, getting to the organs and hormones and hormonal glands, etc. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot for that amazing explanation. You suggested that the working of the chakras mm-hmm. play a large part in understanding why we do these yoga asanas or these yoga poses. And that is really profound because one of the mistakes I made early on during my practice of yoga was to assume that the chakras were there only to do with the spiritual side of things. But through yoga, I realized that our physical, our mental and our spiritual selves are deeply intertwined. And your belief, this belief confirms what you mentioned during your explanation that through the physical act, the physical act of performing an asana, we actually affect our energy centers. Maybe it's a solar plexus, mm-hmm. or maybe it's our throat chakra or our root chakra, but we affect our energy centers, which can then lead to a healing. So thanks for that. You're welcome. A lot of people have problems speaking up for themselves and that involves of course the throat chakra in our emotional center and so i've had students talk to me about how much better they are at expressing themselves now because the different postures that we do like the camel for example strasana you have to extend your throat you have to extend not extend your throat but you have to expand by lifting your chin up and your head back all right. And so that helps to open up that chakra center with your breathing. Of course, you got to remember breathing is the temple of health force. So breathing will allow everything to expand and, and the cells to just rejoice. The molecules, the neurons, everything, just getting a chance to open up and express yourself finally. And a lot of people, you don't even know it as a teacher, but they've been through a lot of trauma and uh it gets stored, like I said, trauma is thought. And so that thought form gets stored somewhere and you can't communicate. What you just mentioned right now beautifully ties into the next question that I wanted to ask you. You mentioned and suggested the importance of breathing, right? Mm-hmm. And from your experience, it's clear that you're an expert in various forms of yoga, including Hatha Yoga. And you also mentioned on your website, all you really have to do is keep breathing (laughs) and i know that you also conduct workshops titled conscious connected breath work so what exactly happens during these workshops they generally they can run from an hour to an hour and a half or 45 minutes to hour and a half and people bring their mats their sleeping bags or towels or whatever and they they lie on those they bring a blanket and a pillow their own pillow essence And um, I lead them through the breathing process and how we do it through the nose and through the mouth is the exhale. And it takes them to a light, kind of like a a yoga nidra process, a very light but a deep consciousness getting into the the depths of trauma again, negative negative thought forms. And so um, I explain to them about if they experience what's called tetany, 
and that is a, a minor temporary paralysis in the limbs, the fingers, or legs, or thighs, or whatever. You might get a sense of tetany where you have stored thought forms that don't want to be released, and you don't know they want to be released. So the breathing, I keep telling people to breathe through it, and they will relax more, and then the thought form will be disassembled from them, which is what happens. So we go through, uh, I lead them through different things, and questions might come up in their minds, and I always seem to be tied in or tuned in with the questions that are coming up for them, even though there might be five or six people in in a session or even more. But I know where to go with them. I know where to touch them. I know what to say to them intuitively because uh, we start out with a prayer, of course, and only allowing light energy forms to be with us during the time. It's a very quiet thing calming, peaceful, uh, spiritual process. And if you have a lie, for example, um, one time a lady had come and she had these um, sores, pimples. They weren't open all over her head. And she said, my husband loves me. I don't know why he loves me, but he tells me he does, and I believe him, but I don't believe it for myself. And she had always been told by her mother that she was very ugly. So she had developed these sores to prove to herself that her mother was right and that God was wrong. So um, she was one of the students that had done the, the rebirthing. It was called rebirthing at one time. You know, I'm led to tell people the personal truth for them, and then they work on that during the, the breathing. The personal truth is I am loving, I am beautiful. Anything that might come up that's very affirmative for them. So... Um, that's basically, you know, like in a nutshell, what the conscious connected breathing is all about. And so we go through that and we come uh, to inhaling, exhaling, inhaling, exhaling about four times. We hold the breath on the fourth inhale for as long as we can. And in that quiet, on the fourth inhale, in that quiet is the silence where you hear the voice of God within you. And that helps to change the trauma thought forms. It helps to release and, and dis- disassemble what you've been believing all your life. And sometimes, it, you know, the conscious connected breath work, it doesn't all, everything isn't all erased in one session. You may have to come three or ten sessions because, you know, thought forms have been with you for a lifetime, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and, and you get tired of it. And so um, this is a way of, of getting rid of, you know, those forms, those thought forms. So, firstly, Daya, I'd love to try mm-hmm. one of your workshops out <laughs> because they sound so cozy and relaxing yes. with all the blankets and sleeping bags and, and the towels. I'm sure the people have yes, a relaxed experience uh, each and every session. And it's amazing that, uh, you know, what can happen when you learn how to breathe properly because that can actually lead to uh, massive changes, mm-hmm. as you mentioned Now, uh, we all know that yoga is a really popular practice and really beneficial. But for the benefit of our audience, what is Hatha Yoga and how is it different from the other practices, other forms of yoga out there? Hatha Yoga is about many, 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 many things. But basically, breathing in the energy of the sun, breathing in the energy of the moon, tying in the moon and the sun energy, merging that energy within yourself within your third eye, within your solar plexus, 
with the breath. When you're involved in the Hatha Yoga, the physical part of uh, yoga, you're tapping into the energy of the sun and the moon. And when you close your thumb and first finger of each hand to the thumb, you're sealing off the energy from leaving you when you're in uh, like half lotus or semi-half lotus or cross-legged. You're allowing your, yourself to get in touch with the God energy and uh, the universal energy. So it's sealed off. You make a a triangular form. I don't know if you can see that in your mind. Okay, a triangular form where the energy just flows back up and around and back down. So um, Hatha Yoga is, uh, I teach a gentle Hatha Yoga, which is not strenuous at all. There are other yoga systems like uh, Power Yoga, where you just go from one posture to the other in breathing. Not so much even considering breathing, but it's not focused on, let me put it that way. Power Yoga, like I said, one one asana right after the other. You may hold your repetitions, like three three or four repetitions, and then move on to the next one. Not bhakti yoga, but Bikram yoga. That's involved in having um, the temperature up around 108 degrees in the room. And so the, the heat, it is told, the heat, I've never practiced it, but the heat will um, make your muscles, ten- tendons, and everything much more flexible. And so uh, it's a constant, like there's 26 postures that you do over and over and over again. And I think it's for something like 90 minutes in that heated room. And so you get really wet and people get, you know, you have to bring your towels and things like that. And then there are asanas, there are yoga uh, types where you have to, um, like astanga is, is a little more strenuous than the hatha yoga postures. Something like the crow or the peacock or things like that, postures like that, where using your arms a lot and you're, you're getting uh, your arms strong, really strong. But hatha yoga is not involved in being like proficient. And so like astanga, I think is more involved in being proficient, being perfect. And we're just... Uh, I'm just I'm working with people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, so they're not all about trying to be proficient in these postures. They're about trying to be uh, not trying to be, but continuing to be preventive in their life, in their health, and they want to be more flexible and they want to be um, mobile. They don't want to be using a cane, things like that. So the people that I teach are really committed to doing what they need to do, and it's not about being perfect. I I, I stress it's not about being perfect there are ways you can do the hatha yoga postures using a chair using blocks using towels using belts if you need to to pull your legs you know closer from the floor to your head so uh those are some of the differences that i share here today well thanks a lot and from what you shared there are so many forms of yoga out there and so many benefits that one can obtain from those practices. I'm curious, what were you doing before you began your yoga practice and this wonderful journey? Two things. I was married to a former husband. I left because of domestic violence. And during the 10 years that I was married to him, I was led to um, a bookstore. And I guess I was probably around the the fifth year or so of being married to him. And I was led to go to a bookstore. And this yoga book, as soon as I walked into the door of the store, on the left was a shelf, and it just popped out from everything else. Yoga, Reincarnation, Yoga Youth and Reincarnation, that's what it was, by Jess Stern. I don't know if he's alive now or whatever, but he sure did change my life. <laughs> and 
I was um, I had a business called the Ebony Model School and the Ebony Models Guild and School, and I was training people, African American people, women mostly, to be in modeling and to do modeling shows and things like that. So when I found this book and I started reading it and practicing it, that that changed my life right there. It wasn't until five years later where after becoming pregnant in pretty much the fifth year, I became pregnant with my first son. You know, I got the strength that I had. I I got the strength developed to do what I wanted to do, and that was to leave and to get out of Dodge, so to speak. So the very first, one day it got so bad, the, the beating was so bad during the night, and my son, who was five at the time, saw what was happening. My former husband was choking me and threw me in the closet, in the back of the closet there. And I, the night before, I had taken everything out of the closet. Didn't know why, but if I hadn't, I would have cracked my skull on something that was a corner of something that was in there. That was one thing. And um, the next morning, I got up, and I, I had this song in me. And it was, as I was in the bathroom, I said, um, the song was, Am I ready, Lord? Am I ready, Lord? And if I'm ready, Lord, let let it be. So the answer was, yes, I'm ready, Lord. Yes, I'm ready, Lord, to let it be. And the, the let it be was to leave. So I got my son. I had already dressed him. He was five. And we walked to the corner of the steps, the edge of the steps to go down. And he's running after me saying, like, where are you going? And uh, immediately... As I explained in one of my books, there was a wall, an invisible wall, a metal invisible wall put around both of us where he couldn't run after us and come down the stairs and grab us. And I said, I'm leaving. And so I walked down the stairs and he couldn't come down the stairs. He could not come down the stairs. I got down to the edge of the stairs and the phone rang and I went and answered it with my son in my in my hands, holding my hands. And the, the person on the phone said, uh, Daya, do you know anybody who could use a room in exchange for caring for their two children? I had no place to go. I had no place to go. I didn't even think about it. And of course I said, yes, <laughs> myself. I'm, I'm, I'm free. I can do it. I can accept the job. And that was, you know, w- what do you call that? A miracle? Yeah, of course you do. But it's a natural way of things because... You don't have any fear of what's going to happen to you. And that allows the miracles to show for you, to be shown to you. So I accepted the job. My husband, my son and I went that day, moved our stuff in the sense of clothing. I left every single furniture piece behind, nothing. I wanted nothing. And I was cared for. I had a bed. We had My son had a bed. We had sheets, clean sheets, and we had food. We had to, The only thing we had to do was take care of the kids and buy groceries and that was it now i love the fact that mm-hmm. yoga jumped at you one fine day during a visit to the bookstore uh, you didn't really plan it it just happened and it's awesome because uh, it sort of speaks to the power mm-hmm. of the universe when you trust in it and allow it to guide you towards your destiny because that one visit to the bookstore mm-hmm. led you to learning the yoga poses led you to taking certain yes. critical decisions for your life. And then as you mentioned on in your book, in your website, that you met certain yoga gurus and they came into your life and started inspiring you towards where you are today and who you've become today. So that's wonderful. Thanks a lot. Yes, yes, yes. 
And it's only because of listening and following through and having faith. You don't try to judge where you want to be. You don't try to say, well, you know, you just allow the universe to provide everything for you on your platter. And then you sit down and you eat. (laughs) True, true. Oh, dear. (laughs) So let's assume that a person listening to the show right now has decided to embark on a journey of yoga Mm -hmm. and breath work. What are certain benefits that this person could obtain from learning yoga? Now, I want you to break down these benefits into short term Mm. and then the long term basis. Well, number one, peace is enjoyed. A sense of peace is that you've never known is discovered. And it's always been there in our hearts. And one of the, and the second thing is healing. Flexibility, mobility is enhanced. A knowing that's involved in the peace that you get. You get a sense of where you want to go, even if you don't know. You get a sense, a more of a sense. And people who have physical problems, if they breathe into the problem, if they breathe in and relax the muscles, they find that they are healed in a matter of maybe uh, weeks If they keep persisting, if they get, and I've had clients who have come for yoga and they came one time and they left, well, they didn't give themselves a chance to see what the healing could be about for them. So they left. And I've talked with them, you know, uh, afterwards, contacted them to see what was going on. But uh, those who have problems, they want to be healed. They continue, they persist, and they get the benefits of it. I mean, you you can't even imagine. I mean, you have no idea what's waiting ahead of you if you take the initiative to start yoga or practice yoga or anything that's going to change your life. If you don't take the initiative when you're here to do so, then you're going to keep searching and searching and searching for the rest of your life. So the benefits are, are, you know, like I said, stress being stress-free and getting healed. Wonderful. So there you go, uh, listeners. Yoga does benefit you externally. One is that you become more flexible, you become stress-free, you find peace, and you get a direction of where you want to head in your life. But as you suggested, there's a huge benefit that happens internally as well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't really have an idea when that begins taking place. But surely... You, you will see the changes that manifest as you continue, as you progress in your journey of yoga. I was just going to say there's a, a woman who has arthritic fingers, but she didn't let that stop her. And in the process of coming to classes every week, she, she found out about how to think, how to change your thinking. And in the process also, she found out that there are postures she can do with props that will help her hands to support her body. And so she never gave up. She was two years coming, two years, and uh, we had a fire, and so we had to move our location, which is where we are now, and so she couldn't come. The distance is too far for her to continue coming right now. But, you know, she's benefited a lot in in a year and a half, two years. So you don't let anything stop you, is what I was going to say. So from what you said, it seems like you just have to have that intention. If you have a strong intention or a conviction to make it happen, if you want to get better at yoga or for that matter, any other thing, once you've decided your why, then the how is something that you can always figure out. But you need to have that strong drive 
to in your case in, in the case of your student to learn yoga no matter what it takes now in line with that same very thought i know we've discussed some really great benefits of getting into a practice of yoga uh, but let's face it there's nothing more inspiring than a real life example so if you are to share your most inspiring student success story till date i i know that you shared an example of a student earlier to this but is there any other student example that you would like to share with us there's quite a few but there's one in particular and she is one who has been attending yoga for 5 years and she has said that her back she has told me any number of times of how yoga has helped her back problem she has no back problem anymore and she's in her late 50s and so what 5 years ago she was 51 and uh, and she had decided to start with a friend of hers they both have been coming for 5 years and she would tell people she said if anybody were to ask me how yoga has benefited me and she would tell them that i no longer have a back problem and when you have a back problem it can be excruciating and you don't know what to do where to turn and what medicine you could take and so it was uh, suggested to her to come to one of my classes and she did and like i said it's been 5 years so uh it's just seeing the light go off in people you know when they no longer have this problem not so much a back problem but a stretching one way or another stretching forward in the different forward bends that yoga provides for you when you breathe in and breathe out you breathe in the abdomen i mean you breathe out breathe in the uh, oxygen and you pull in the abdomen as far as you can through your nose you breathe in and you breathe out and you pull your abdomen in and then you can stretch forward maybe a half an inch and then the next week if you keep practicing you can stretch forward uh, another inch until your hands are not touching your ankles anymore but they're touching your toes and you just keep doing that and just keep having faith in yourself and don't judge yourself don't don't beat up yourself if you can't do a certain posture just keep working at it and so the teacher the teacher may not even be able to uh, accomplish that but she knows how to teach you to move past your limitations wonderful so you mentioned that the student was 50 years of age uh 51 when she started yeah wow and she had uh, an existing back problem yes uh huh she would go to a chiropractor yeah wow and progressively over a period of 5 years she was able to eliminate that back problem uh through obviously a series of yoga mm-hmm. asanas and 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 as she practiced i'm assuming that she got better and better at it she got more uh flexible and and, and she, then through your advice and through your insights and through your guidance she was able to master each and every pose yeah uh-huh exactly and and like i said she he used to go to a chiropractor every week but she doesn't do that wonderful i'm sure that this story gives our listeners proof that a change is possible yeah and when you do what's suggested just little minor things when you do what's suggested you have to get better mm-hmm. you do get better now daya at this stage of our show i usually ask our guests for one health tip something simple and small that a person can try immediately to improve his or her health so if you had to recommend one beneficial health advice or tip what would that be I would suggest that you realize you are your own reality. You make your reality. You are your thoughts and you are what you think you are. 
And you can change your thought at any time in order to change your world. And nobody can do that but you. Nobody knows how to do that but you. So if you're saying, like, I've heard people say, oh, man, my car is not working. I don't have the money to fix my car. My car is this and that, or my body is this and that. And if they just would listen to their words, they could get from underneath the uh, illusion of having problems with their car or no money by moving into the thought of, I am happy because I just found a very good mechanic and he's going to barter with me to teach him how to do such and such and he's going to fix my car for nothing. What better thing can happen? And it happens because you change your thought by being grateful, being open to being happy, and being strong and empowered. You, You cannot... You cannot move from where you are without moving your thoughts around. I don't know if I went into detail, but our house burned down, our studio burned down. And I'm standing there with my husband and son, and we're watching it on fire because lightning had struck it. Well, we didn't think for one minute about where are we going to stay. Not one minute. When the neighbor from the very house next door said, you know you're sleeping at our house, don't you? And where did that come from? I mean... It came from because we were not complaining, we were not fearful, we weren't thinking and whining and crying, oh, this is gone, that's gone, oh, blah, 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 blah. No, we were strong together, and we knew, we always have known that we are taken care of, and that's where that goes. So there you go, listeners. Thoughts are things. So every morning, when you're going to begin your day, think about what thoughts are are you feeding to yourself? Mm-hmm. Are they positive thoughts or the negative thoughts? Are they empowering you? Are they pushing you to the next level? Or are they pulling you down? So just be wary of the type of thoughts that you are having. Mm-hmm. Now, David Weatherford once said, mm-hmm. when faced with a challenge, look for a way, not a way out. <laughs> <laughs> and this is going to be the central theme for the next phase of our show, which is all about a major challenge or a learning moment. So there, tell us about a time when you faced a major challenge or barrier. Take us to that moment. Tell us what you were feeling at that instant. And then how did you approach that challenge? Do you have two days? <laughs> <laughs> I taken my, my son and I went to a vet, took, took our dog to a vet. We were coming out. We stopped at the stop sign, and the next thing I know, I don't even realize I've been airlifted in a helicopter to the hospital. There was a car, a person driving a car on the big highway, and he was texting, and he went over three lanes, so I'm told, and plowed into the left side, my driver's side of the car, and they had to use the jaws of life to get me out, and I was unconscious. If you're at a stop sign, your foot's on the brake, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was at the stop sign, but according to pictures taken, my car was in reverse. And so two days later, two days later, maybe three days later, I was home. I, after I was, I was in the hospital for two days, they did three surgeries on my arm, my left arm, my shoulder, my shoulder joint. Anyway, my brother passed away two weeks before this accident happened. It was a surprise. He he fell. He was asleep, and they they found out he had died during the night. Anyway, when I got home and I was sitting, I love sitting out in the yard on a bench, 
And I was sitting there meditating, and my brother came to me and said, Do you know why you weren't killed? Do you know what I did to help you? He said, I told you to put the car in reverse so that the guy wouldn't have uh, slammed into you. I would have been in the driver's seat, right? He would have slammed into the driver's seat and not the tire, the fender, the left fender. And so he said, uh, I'm the one responsible for you to put the car in reverse, and I'm glad you listened. And as soon as he said that, two red cardinals, a husband, I say a husband and wife, a male and female cardinal flew down and sat down like three or four feet beside me is to say, and so it is. And that's what happened. And I started crying, started tearing. So that was part of leading me to the barrier that I overcame. And and no one knows it but you, but I am a musician. I play the guitar, my husband and I. I've been playing for 36 years. So as a result of the accident, my fingers, my whole arm, my whole left arm, fingers, wrists, everything was swollen twice the size. I couldn't lift my hand, my wrists. I couldn't lift anything. So I couldn't grab the strings to my guitar. I couldn't press down. I couldn't wrap my fingers around. And I had to. I just had to improve. There was no questioning about it. There was no, oh, pity me. There was no, oh, I can't do this. There was no, oh, I'll never play the guitar again. Well, I set a goal to perform with Chris in December. We had a gig. The accident happened in November, in October. We set a goal so that I would be encouraged to work on my fingering. And so Chris bought me a ball. I would squeeze the ball or put it in my hand. I couldn't squeeze it. <laughs> and I would soak my left hand in cold water, ice cold water, and hot water. Ice cold water and hot water. And... That happened over and over and over every day. And eventually I was able to wrap my fingers, even though swollen. I could wrap my fingers to touch the guitar strings, but I couldn't press the strings down. So, of course, I'm playing now. And uh, it's only because of yoga, prayer, thanksgiving, being grateful every day for what I was able to do. And I eventually overcome, overcame. So, looking back now, what is that one major life lesson you would want our listeners to take away from your story? From this particular story? Mm-hmm. Just listen. I can't say listen enough. Listen to your heart. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Follow what the Holy Spirit has given you to do. And you may think in your mind, you may envision in your mind that, oh, this is taking me somewhere, but it's not. Like, we were going out to eat last night, my husband and I, and we didn't know where to go, but we did know we were to get in the car and go straight ahead to the left. We went and we went and we kept saying, oh, maybe we'll go here, maybe we'll go there. So going one way mm. led us to go to the place that we finally went to, which we enjoyed. But we thought we were going one way, right, mm-hmm. after we decided. <laughs> but it's the same thing. You can decide. You can go like, uh, oh, I'm supposed to call this person. Well, why are you supposed to call this person? I don't know. I'm going to do it. And so you call them and then they tell you, uh, oh, they want you to speak here. Oh, they want you to do yoga here. Oh, they want you to write this. So you just have to listen. Just keep listening. Follow through. Keep uh, keep faith. I can't say be faithful enough for things that you can't even see or imagine. Just just have faith. Well, thanks a lot for sharing your story with us. Mm-hmm. And and allowing us to learn from your experiences. 
I know going back into the past is not an easy task, especially if it was associated with a road traffic accident mm-hmm. or if it is associated with your passion for music and for playing the guitar. Mm-hmm. But because you did, our listeners now have one more reason to reassess their story and take action. Mm-hmm. Good. And with that, we are moving on to the next portion of our show, which is all about finding your true calling or your purpose. Because in life, the darkest hour of the night comes just before the dawn. Mm-hmm. The dawn of finding your true calling. So listeners, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines a calling as a strong inner impulse toward a particular course of action, especially when accompanied by conviction of divine influence. So my question to you there, have you found your calling? If yes, what is your calling? Well, basically two callings. One is to sing, to write, to perform with my husband. And uh, the second calling is uh, healing. Uh, healing people, teaching people how to heal themselves, which could be through Reiki or could be through yoga, could be through conscious connected breathing. But the whole realm of alternative methods of healing is uh, what I'm to do. And I, and I do it with uh, thought-based action. Wonderful. So based on what we discussed, life is about recognizing and cherishing those magical moments. Like in your case, that moment when you entered the bookstore, you saw the book and you picked the book and that inspired you. Mm-hmm. And that really changes the way we look at things and pushes us towards our destiny. So what is that one moment that you can share with our listeners beyond which you knew without a doubt that this is what you were meant to do? Gosh, there's so many things that come that come forward. That's not the one thing, but I was living in a rented house, and I wasn't sure if I was to continue doing what I was doing, which was selling cosmetics. And uh, I've always been a proponent of dreams and what dreams tell you and what they mean. And then my husband joined in with me with uh, learning about dreams and the, the meanings of them. So I had this dream that told me that I was to pack my bags and go and and I got confirmation of that by looking in the Bible the next day and I asked to be guided to a passage I closed my eyes and asked to be guided to a passage and the passage said basically the same thing pack your bags leave behind your supposed fortune leave behind everything and so I did after after I got that message I sold my brand new car Ford Mustang I sold all my cosmetics and I was to go to London to uh, perform. Uh, I was by myself, singing by myself. I got a passport, flew to London, and I was not allowed to go through. After the turnstile, I could not go through. They confiscated my guitar, my suitcase. I had two suitcases. And I was put into an interrogation room, and then I was put into a room where there were other people who could not embark uh, on the grounds of London. Got a bologna sandwich that was given to all of us and uh, put up for the night in a motel guarded by a taxi cab driver and then escorted back the next day to the terminal to go back to the United States. So what is all that? What What is all that? Okay, going back to the Holy Spirit, you go one way thinking that you're going to do one thing and it turns out far beyond your reasoning. And imagination is far greater than what you thought. So coming back to Philadelphia, I met, in two months, I met my husband of 36 years. And we're both singing, and we're both doing writing songs. 
You following me? Yes, I am. I am. Yeah, I know you are. So uh, it changed my life. You know, listening changes your life. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> you have no idea why you're doing something. You just know I'm doing it because Holy Spirit told me that that's the best thing to do for. <laughs> and that was how what plan destiny had for you, right? The universe mm-hmm. sort of had a plan for you, and instead of actually going for that concert in London, mm-hmm. which probably might have you know made you feel sad at at, at first. Mm-hmm. When you did go back to Philadelphia, you then realized that everything was a part of that grand plan, that grand scheme. Yes, that was made for you. Far greater than I could ever imagine. Our, our music has taken us. <laughs> Wonderful. So there we have now reached the final round, which is called the wisdom round, where I'll ask you a series of questions, and you will respond with nuggets of wisdom, just like <laughs> in a rapid fire round. <laughs> the result of this round is. Loads of actionable insights for our listeners to get inspired and take action right away. So, Daya, are you ready? Yeah, uh-huh. it's a nice game. <laughs> awesome, nice. <laughs> what is the best advice you have ever received? I've gotten advice from many, many people in in books. I'll come back to that. Now we know that great habits can change your life. So, if you had to recommend a personal habit that contributes to your well-being. What would it be? I would say wake up when you wake up in the morning. Listen, give thanks, give thanks to God, give thanks to the universe, and say uh, what a great day is planned for me. I don't know what it is, but I'm thankful. So, there, could you describe the first two hours of your day? In other words, what is your morning ritual like? It's not. It's not for myself. Let me put it that way. Other than giving thanks, and when I wake up, I listen. And I, I visualize what I'm listening to, so uh, I know what it is that I'm to do pretty much uh, right away anyway. But I have to wake up my son, who's 21, goes to college. I have to wake him up, so my alarm is set for 8.20, 8.25. And uh, for an hour, I'm in the process of making sure he's up moving, getting his food or whatever. So it's not for me that I'm doing all of this it's for him for me so my ritual pretty much starts maybe after he leaves and that's being quiet i have a special room here uh we're renting this beautiful home and i've set up uh one of the rooms for my meditation healing room so i go in there and meditate or i do yoga Mm -hmm. now finding and reading the right book can be life-changing so if you had to recommend one book that changed your life what would it be I can't say five, just one. <laughs> I would say um, the book that I bought for 25 cents, Thought Forces, it's called, by Prentice Mulford. It's a fantastic book on your thoughts and how they manifest for you. Everything, everything you, you have faith in, everything you believe. Your every thought is a force as real as a current of electricity is a force. The thoughts you are now putting out are now working to shape your face and body, affecting your health for good or ill, or making or losing for you money. If you think poverty, you put out an actual force to attract poverty. I bought this, like I said, probably in 1983, maybe even earlier. Wow. 25 cents. It was uh, the White Cross Library. And all I had to do was read one paragraph. And uh, it's been my, it's worth a million dollars, dear. 
to me, it's worth a million dollars. True, true. So moving on to the first question of the best advice, does something come to your mind or should we just assume that you're waiting for that perfect advice? You have received a lot of advice, but then you're, you're still uh, in anticipation for that, for that advice that is, yeah. you know, going to manifest sometime soon. <laughs> okay, listen, I learned about conscious connected breathing from Sandra Ray. She's author of like 23 books or so and um, took her training and, she was so fantastic when she looked at me and she was up front of the, the on stage and she looked at me and her eyes hooked for like a minute. It looked like seemed like a minute and I could see the universe in her brown eyes. And so um, we just had this hooked up feeling. So after she spoke and people were lining up for her books, I was in line, of course, too. And uh, she said, rebirthing go for it. She had no idea I was interested in conscious connected breathing. And at that time, it was called rebirthing. She had no idea. But like I said, the way we hooked up in the universe, she knew that I was capable of doing it and being it. And she wrote in my book, rebirthing, go for it, Daya. Wow. So listeners, you can find the links to all the resources that we discuss about in the show notes. So Daya, I've truly enjoyed chatting with you today. Same here. Before you go, tell us one <laughs> thing that you're really grateful for today. Tell us the best way we can find you and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. Uh, I'm grateful for the life that I have. I'm grateful for the life that I've chosen to receive and accept. And that includes my two sons and my husband and my pets. I'm grateful for my uh, ability to know and receive the information about thought forces and how powerful they are because they can change your world and the other question is uh what uh the best way that we can find you oh okay uh pateran which comes from a dream p-a-d-a-r-a-n www.pateran.com and our music is aka level l-e-v-e-l seven level seven www.aka level seven so you can reach me that way or you want to leave my Email? That's fine as well. Yeah. Okay. P-A-D-A-R-A-N, Pateran, Pateran at Pateran.com. This has been great. What a, a beautiful experience with you, dear. Thank you. Well, thanks a lot for coming on our show today and taking our listeners one step closer to a human revolution. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.